Oh my god, excuse me. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review sight and sounds top greatest movies of all time. I am shivering my little nipples off today. It is a frigid day today on Martin Luther King Day, the day I'm recording this here in Philadelphia. Yep, it is like 28 degrees outside and I'm a whiny little bitch because I always whine about how I want it to be cold and not hot. And now it's too cold and I'm whining and I'm shivering and I'm trying to not put the heat on because my last bill came in and it was astronomical and I almost collapsed and had a heart attack right then and there and I don't want to do it, but I don't know how much longer I can take this. I'm losing my goddamn mind. <sighs> okay. I also have to go to an event tonight and I have to bike there and I'm worried because I can't find my face mask. Like, you know, like what bikers wear, like the, you know, the literally a mask, a face mask, not a face mask like for COVID, but like a full face mask. Anyway, I got to find that crap. I got to find that. Oh, friends. Hello. Hi. Welcome to another episode. Um, yes. For those of you who are new, I am reviewing Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. It was unveiled in 2022. There's a lot of movies to get through. I took a little hiatus and now I'm back. It's a long story. And you know what? The first 50 episodes, I don't like them. I like this new system that I'm I'm doing. I like these new segments, and I hope you like them too. And I don't know why I'm talking like this. It's the cold. I just had a cup of tea, and it, I'm back to being freezing. Anyway, um, I'm also very excited. Um, we're going to review a very much talked about film today by one of the most by directed by one of the most talked about directors of all time. This is the Tree of Life. There are two ways through life. The way of nature and the way of grace. You have to choose which one you'll follow. We're alligators. You'll be grown before that tree is tall. It takes fierce will to get ahead in this world. Come on, hit me. Hit me. Come on, son. He's afraid of you. You expect things that a mulling adult can accomplish. I've just always wanted you to be strong. Be your own man. Father. Mother. Always you wrestle inside me. Always you will. Someday fall down and weep and we'll understand it all all thanks This movie, like, makes me emotional. I mean, like, not actually emotional, but just in my head emotional because I freaking love it. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Now, I, I, 
I just, it, it, it's a hard, okay, okay, oh crap, I had this like all planned out and then I'm messing it up right now. We first got to talk about this director, Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick directed this. He is a very famous director. He just turned 80 last year, I think. Uh, he's this American director. He's only made like eight movies, I think. He just made another movie, but he, I mean, I, there are probably podcasts out there dedicated to this man, Terrence Malick. He's one of a kind. There's no one else like Terrence Malick. There's no one else making movies similar like Terrence Malick. Nobody told the end of time can emulate Terrence Malick. No one ever. What's the big deal about Terrence Malick? His movies are the most beautiful works of art ever made. They can come off as pretentious. They can come off as making zero sense. They can come off as sometimes lacking emotional depth. But many times, they come off succeeding in all those categories. They are a little pretentiously made because it's all, look at me, look at these cool visuals and all that. But they are moving, even if they are a little elliptical and you don't really know what's going on. They're just, they're, 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 they're just, I, I, I just like, I want to eat them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be weird or dirty there. No, I really just, his movies are just so unbelievably exhausting, yet invigorating and intoxicating and, I think the most important thing to say too before I get into these movie into this movie is that you know Terrence Malick he's not I don't call his movies movies I call his movies visual poems that's the best way to describe them there's not a clear hollywood narrative linear narrative structure in the majority of his movies most of them there definitely isn't in the tree of life now because of that there are people who don't like Terrence Malick. They don't like, they don't, they're not like, it's not that he, he's not a bad guy. Um, Terrence Malick also is famous for giving zero interviews. Um, if you YouTube Terrence Malick, I think there's only one interview he did with um, Michael Fassbender. They had done a movie called Song to Song, which came out in 2017, I think. Yeah, it wasn't great, but, um, and it wasn't even like a recorded interview. Like I think somebody had their phone out and they were recording it, but fun fact, I know somebody who met Terrence Malick. Yeah. Years ago said he was a nice guy. Terrence Malick movies. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes. The, the, he's a very religious guy. He's very, very Christian. His next movie that he has coming up, uh, is allegedly about, um, Jesus Christ and Satan and Mary and all those people. And he's a very interesting filmmaker because his movies, and if you know Terrence Malick and you know this, you know, his, the way, you know enough about him, you can skip this. I'm just talking about newcomers here who aren't familiar with him. He's famous because, you know, he has frustrated a lot of people. Like, I'll get into it. Sean Penn stars in this movie. He was not happy with this movie. Christopher Plummer did a RIP. He did a movie with, uh, Terrence Malick called The New World in 2005 with Colin Farrell and Christian Bale and this great actress called Corianka Kilcher. It's basically a live-action adaptation of Pocahontas, but without any of the music, and it's uh, actually historically accurate. Um, or is it? Did John Smith and Pocahontas actually fall in love? I don't know. Anyway, um... Plummer didn't like him. He was mad. Uh, the Thin Red Line was a movie that he did. Adrian Brody basically thought he was the lead in the film. And then when the movie came out, Adrian Brody was in like two scenes. Yeah, he was fooled. There was also a movie called To the Wonder where like Amanda Pete and Martin, uh, Michael Sheen, excuse me, were in it. And then they were cut. 
So he's an interesting filmmaker. He really, like, does his own thing. And it is a little... I don't know how I feel about getting cut out of a movie like that. I mean, that would suck, of course. But that I think that is the fascination with, with Terrence Malick. It's just, you know, his work ethic is just so unique. And his vision is unlike anything imaginable ever to this day. Now, I'm going to repeat myself a lot in this episode. Terrence Malick is not for everybody. I first saw The Tree of Life... Way back in 2011, I hopped on Amtrak, got into, I got a train into Philadelphia, uh, went to the theater here and saw it. I felt like I was being levitated out of my seat this this entire film. Truly, I know that sounds hokey and like, okay, shut up, man. But it's true. It's true. I mean, I it it just it changed me when I first saw it. And then I made my family watch it when I uh, got it on. Blu- I bought it on Blu-ray months later, and I made my family watch it. And they threatened to disown me. They hated it. To this day, if I mention the Tree of Life, it's like saying Voldemort or the c-word. It is like they hate it. <laughs> I mean, the, the reactions to his films are like violent almost. And it's not that the films are inappropriate. It's that people just don't understand them. People aren't willing to watch visual poetry. Yeah. People either are impatient and they don't get it, which I understand. People find it pretentiously done, which I can understand. He's not for everybody. Or there are people like me who, who in most cases, are just immediately floored and swept away in this director's incredible visual, you know, fascinating mind. I don't know this. Uh, Terrence Malick, I feel like he's actually like an angel. Like truly, I don't know if this man is actually physically human. And I want to prove that wrong, truly. But this man, regardless of what people think of him, actors want to work with him. He's got a lot of actors who have worked with him before. He's been around since the 70s. He did two movies in the 70s with Richard Gere and Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yes, sir. There are a lot of Sheens in the world. Martin Sheen, Michael Sheen, I guess there aren't that. Charlie Sheen. Johnny Sheen. No, that used to be an imaginary friend of mine. I used to have an imaginary friend named Johnny. He lived in my stomach. Okay. Wow. 10 minutes in already. Let's get into this movie and bear with me and please try. Obviously, I love this movie, so I am going to encourage you to see this movie as soon as you can, but let's get through this. Let's get through this in a good way. Bear with me. Here we go. Plots and ups. Oh, I really, I still own this on Blu-ray, and I would kill someone to just go and watch this in IMAX, truly. It is, look at the poster for this movie. Look at the images from uh, from this movie. I mean, you will be, you will be swept away just like me. Anyway, The Tree of Life. The film opens up with a quote, uh, quote excuse me, from the Book of Job 3847. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. We see this quote, and then we see this weird, like a flame of light flickering in in darkness. What could it be? We'll get to it soon. Cut to these uh, 1960s. Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. O'Brien, played by Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain. This is the movie that, that like got Jessica Chastain famous, too. People did not really know who she was, and wow, she's good in this. And Brad Pitt. They are Mr. and Mrs. Bryan. They're informed of the death of their 19-year-old son, R.L., throwing the family into turmoil. 
In 2010, the eldest son, Jack, played by Sean Penn, is adrift in his modern life in Dallas, Texas as an architect, disillusioned by his life full of disappointments. Meanwhile, voiceovers from, voiceovers from Mrs. Brian, oh my God, from Mrs. O'Brien, ask God why R.L. had to die. Then... We see these visuals, and they depict the birth of the universe, followed by the creation of Earth and the beginning of life. The coolest movie sequence in the history of cinema. Boom! I just, this sequence is unlike anything imaginable. Oh my god. At one point during the sequence, a dinosaur, I know, bear with me, a dinosaur chooses not to kill another dinosaur that is injured and lying on the side of a riverbed. Finally, an asteroid strikes the earth. No, it's not like Jurassic Park. Yes, I know at first you're like, what, what is this? Again, yeah, this movie was hit or miss, which I'll get to with the trivia, but then, okay, so the universe has been created. We get all these really cool visuals and everything. See a little cute little dinosaurs. We're now taken to a suburban neighborhood, 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 neighborhood in Waco, Texas in the 1940s. The O'Briens are enthralled by their new baby, Jack, and later his two brothers, R.L. and Stevie. One of these actors, uh, Ty Sheridan, plays Steve, and he is pretty big now. He was in Ready Player One. You may recognize him. In the 1950s, Jack is, is conflicted with accepting the way of grace or nature as embodied by his parents. Mrs. O'Brien, Chastain's character, the embodiment of grace presents the world to her sons as a place of wonder. Mr. O'Brien, the embodiment of nature, easily loses his temper as he struggles to reconcile his love for his sons, wanting to prepare them for a world he sees as corrupt and exploitative. He, he laments his decision to work in a power plant instead of pursuing his passion for music and tries to get ahead by filing, uh, filing patents for various inventions. Yeah, so Mr. O'Brien... He is a bit of a, a piece of shit. I mean, he's a really strict dad. He's a loving dad, but he is so strict, it's like cringe, cringing. I mean, it's just how he is. You know, he doesn't really know how to prepare his sons for the future. And, you know, his actions in the film are questionable. It's okay to have a tough parent. We all have strict parents, you know. But meanwhile, Mrs. O'Brien is the polar opposite. She's actually like like angelic i mean just you know the most she's presented as the most loving beautiful mother in the world jack's perceptions of the world young jack is played very well by this actor named hunter mccracken his perceptions of the world begin to change after his friend taylor drowns in a pool he questions how god could allow such things to happen and that if god is malicious he can be too he becomes angry at his father's continuous hypocrisies and misdeeds lashing out as at his mother for tolerating him when mr o'brien goes on a business trip the boys enjoy unfettered access to their mother and jack experiences the first twinges of rebelliousness Peer pressure, Jack commits vandalism and animal abuse. Yeah, so he goes a little, uh, goes a little bad. I was going to say he goes a little 13, but people won't get that reference. 13, the movie, 2003, amazing, but really intense. Watch it. If you're a new parent, watch it. It's like imperative that you watch it. When trespassing into his crush's house, he steals her sheer nightgown, then fearfully throws it into a river. Shortly after Mr. O'Brien returns, the plant that he works at closes. He is given the option of relocating to work in an inferior position within the firm or losing his job. As the family packs up to move to the new job, he laments his path of life, asking Jack to forgive his domineering behavior. Jack reflectively says he embodies nature. 
As Jack leaves work, he rides the adult Jack, that is, present day now. As he leaves work, he rides the elevator up, envisioning following a young girl across rocky terrain. As he walks through a wooden door frame erected on the rocks, he sees a view of the far distant future in which the sun expands into a red giant, engulfing Earth and then shrinking into a white dwarf. Gets trippy here. Definitely gets trippy here. Emerging from rustic doors, Jack follows the girl, then a young version of himself, across the rail landscape. So he literally is following his younger self. The dead return to life. So everybody from his childhood is there at the seaside. And Jack is reunited with his family and all those who populate his memory. He meets his brothers and brings R.L. to his parents. Little R.L. played adorably by this actor named John Howell. Or no, not John. That was the baby. <laughs> Laramie Epler, excuse me, who looks just like Brad Pitt. The casting is so good in this, for real. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, so he brings R.L. to his parents and they bid goodbye uh, as he steps out of a home into a vast expanse, accompanied by two girls in white. Mrs. O'Brien gracefully whispers, I give him to you. I give you my son. Jack's vision ends, and he leaves the building, smiling contentedly. The mysterious light shown before at the beginning of the movie continues to flicker in the darkness. The end. Okay, so like from everything I've read, you may be picturing this as your ordinary coming of age story, you know? Yeah, got a little boy getting rebellious, his he's not getting along with his dad, blah, 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 blah. You know, like you would expect that. Oh, no, this is not that type of movie at all. It is a coming of age story, but no, there's not a linear narrative in this film. And the big thing with Terrence Malick, he is obsessed with voiceovers, voiceover narration, Characters saying biblical verses and characters just saying things, you know, it's almost like they're speaking from their co deep conscious, you know, it's, it's a lot of like, you know, 
you see characters uh, playing in a field and then you hear someone go, life, it's beautiful, you know, hit me, baby, one more time. It's like that. Like, that. that's his movie. That's just the way Terrence Malick is. There's not a lot of dialogue in his films. It's all voiceover. And that is the majority, if not all, of the Tree of Life. Scenes are just intercut constantly, again and again and again. Nothing totally connects. Nothing totally makes sense. You just, you lose yourself. You are immersed in this movie's imagery. Truly. I mean, like, there's the scene when Jack is born... We see, um, you know, Jessica Chastain, Mrs. O'Brien pregnant. There's this cool shot of Brad Pitt's, you know, listening to, he has his head pressed against her stomach. He's listening to, you know, the inside of her stomach, the baby that is. But then we're, we get these, this cross shot, cross cut of um, the back of this woman wearing like a white dress and she's holding on to this little boy's hand. And then suddenly this little boy is like swimming in this, home that is underwater and he emer- he goes out this door and then when he goes out the door we're cross cut to uh mrs o'brien going into labor and and jack is born you know so it's like what does that mean what what the hell was the point of that imagery i get it if you're confused i was confused too i think the point of the movie is that you know malik is trying to show that you know what we just saw is meant to be maybe jack in heaven in a weird way, you know, like it's Jack before he was born. And that woman maybe is an angel, you know, it's things like that. You have to connect the images in this film. The, uh, the cinematography too, is by a very famous, uh, cinematographer named Emmanuel Lubetsky. Lubetsky, I think is how you say his name. He's done a lot of cinematography for a lot of, uh, mo- uh, movie directors. He did it for uh, Birdman. He did it for The Revenant. Uh, a lot of Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu movies. Fantastic. Uh, absolutely, you know, one of a kind visionary. But that's the thing about the Tree of Life. It is frustrating, and I understand why people would kind of maybe get frustrated and want to walk out because this this is not your usual film. This is a movie that shows you the creation of life, and then shows you the end of life. And what is so moving to me about this film, two things. First of all, when are we, when do we ever see movies that depict the creation of life this spectacularly? Truly. I know that the dinosaur is a little goofy, I admit, but the special effects of the creation of life in this film, again, it's just one of the most riveting, eye-popping cinematic sequences of all time. There's that, and also... The movie is just genuinely really moving, you know? You imagine yourself as Jack, adult Jack, played by Sean Penn, you know? Imagine that you really are this old guy lost with yourself, you know, lost in your life, just confused and and depressed. Imagine if you had the opportunity to get transported to the very end of the world, you know, years from now. Uh, a red giant is going to engulf Earth. You know, a red giant, for those who don't know, is, quote, a luminous giant star of low or intermediate mass in a late phase of stellar evolution. I will quiz you on that tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. I don't know what it is. But imagine, though, that you're that unhappy and you get to, you get sucked to the end of the world 
where you get to see you are reunited with everybody from your past who has passed on or everybody from your past who you didn't get to make amends with, perhaps. And this is the last time that you get to, you know, it's moving. It really does get me like emotional because I think those are things that we think about sometimes, you know, um, it's powerful, man. This is powerful, powerful stuff. I know people may not agree with me. Um, I worked an advanced screening of another Terrence Malick movie where I kid you not 50 plus people walked out. I know this because I was seated in the very back and people one after the other were leaving, <laughs> which is not fair. Come on guys, give the guy a chance. All right. Wow. But the tree of life, in my opinion, is Terrence Malick's best film. And I think, you know, if you're scared of, you know, first of all, don't be scared. There's nothing to be scared of in this movie. If you're worried about watching a film that is so, you know, artsy and experimental, I get it. I'm not into all artsy and experimental films. The Tree of Life, though, it just is that one exception in a weird way where the first time I saw it, I loved it. You know, because a lot of artsy films, the first time I see them, I don't love them. Second time I see them, I'm like, eh, eh, yeah, okay, I get it. This one, though, perhaps, I don't know, the time I saw it, it was 2011, college years, crazy. I was an idiot. I was lost. I just wasn't really telling anybody. I was losing myself in alcohol. Maybe that is why I have had and have such a strong connection to this movie. And I really think that you will, too. Give it a chance. Because it is so beautiful. BTS Secrets and Scandals. Well, not so much uh, scandals, I guess. Scand I know, and I always say that because there aren't really... I mean, have I actually gone over scandals? No scandal with the Tree of Life, but it's a little funny. So uh, when this was released in 2011, some American theaters had to set up signs warning moviegoer moviegoers about the enigmatic and non-linear narrative of the movie following some confused walkouts and refund demands in the opening weeks. <laughs> yeah, I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember everything from college, but I do... Um, I just spat on my computer. Oh, that's so gross. Um, I do specifically remember... Um, this is why I'm single, because I spit at my dates by accident when I'm out with them. It's so embarrassing. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I talk too much. I remember vividly, though, you know, reading in the news about um, people were walking out of this film because they wanted a refund. They wanted their money back because they didn't know what the hell was going on in the film. And I even remember specifically seeing, I forget what theater it was, but some theater in America, they did put up a sign that basically said, okay, guys, like, warning, if you're going to see The Tree of Life, you just need to know that this is a very experimental movie and we're not going to refund you, okay? So just please know that. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Um, there were even some Spanish theaters that gave away a free ticket. This is crazy. They gave away a free ticket for another movie to the people who left the movie before the first half an hour, first half hour. The direction of one of the theaters claimed of the nine, uh, 9,000. Is that what it says? That can't be true. 9,000 tickets, that might may have been a typo in the trivia I found, uh, of the 9,000 tickets which we sold in the last three days for this movie, about 900 people left it. Nuts. Really, really nuts. Now, I think it's a little, I think it's kind of bullshit, And to be honest. You, I, I think, look, you're, it's a free country. You can leave a movie if you don't like it. 
my belief is sit through a movie, okay? I sat through a movie, a three-hour movie about heroin addicts, okay? If I can do that, you can too. If you love movies like me, you can too, all right? You can sit through these movies. When people walk out of movies that are horrifically violent, I can understand that too. The Tree of Life, though, and a lot of other Malick films, you know, well, literally all of them, they, they do, they are different. Embrace it. Embrace the difference of it all, you know? But, you know, that's just my opinion. In August 2011, I said this a little bit, Sean Penn gave an interview to the French publication Le Figaro, in which he was very critical of the movie and Terrence Malick's uh, direction. He said, quote, I didn't at all find on the screen the emotion of the script, which is the most magnificent one that I've ever read. A clearer and more conventional narrative would have helped the film without, in my opinion, lessening its beauty and its impact. Frankly, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing there and what I was supposed to add in that context. What's more, Terry himself never managed to explain it to me clearly. <laughs> okay, so I do think Sean Penn has a bit of a point here. Sean Penn's character in the movie is very, very, very supporting like almost like below supporting this is a movie about the kids and it's about brad pitt and jessica chastain's characters it's not really about old jack in the film so i can understand why he would be pretty critical of this film this film also goes back to the late 1970s yes it's true so right after days of heaven a great movie that malik did which is on the list and i cannot wait to rewatch it malik was actually working on a project named q the letter Q, that would explore the origins of life on Earth. But he left the project, but this film contains a lot of elements from it. Terrence Malick, too, for those who don't know, he did not make a movie for 20 years, between 1978 and 1988. Days of Heaven waited 20 years, and then he did The Thin Red Line, a World War II movie. The movie, The Tree of Life, is also semi-autobiographical a little bit. There are a lot of film parallels between the film and Terrence Malick's own life. So like Jack in the film, Terrence Malick grew up with two brothers in rural Texas. Their father was an aspiring musician who went to work as a geologist for an oil company and found an outlet for his artistic talent by playing the organ at his family's church. Now, this is a little sad. Malick um, actually outlived both of his brothers. His one brother committed suicide at age 19 while studying to be a musician. That's terrible. And then his other brother died in 2008, just a few years before this movie came out, at the age of 60, after being severely burned in a car crash in Mexico that killed his wife as well. <sighs> yeah, and you know, there's the similarity. I mean, again, it might just be a coincidence, but you know, RL in this film dies in a car accident too, like the telegram that Mrs. O'Brien receives in the beginning of the film. It's crazy. It's really, really crazy. Now, the look of this movie, again, I will not shut up about how beautiful this film is. Um, dissatisfied by the look of modern computer-generated visual effects, also known as CG. V CGI, but okay. De uh, Terrence Malick approached veteran special effects supervisor uh, Douglas Trumbull, who was responsible for the visual effects in 2001, A Space Odyssey, that movie, one of the most famous sci-fi films of all time. He contacted him and asked him to create the visual effects for the film using bygone optical and practical methods. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. That sequence, I know I can't shut up about the sequence, but 
there are many shots in that sequence that are practical effects. You see that you you do see close up when you know upon closer inspection that it is like it's almost like a close up of like someone dropping a little chemical in a petri dish and watching it you know like you know expand and permeate the screen. It's just unbelievable. Critic Jim Emerson learned from visual effects supervisor Michael L. Fink that this has to do with the birth of um, the creation of Earth sequence. The premise of the four-shot scene was to to depict the birth of consciousness, what some have called the birth of compassion, the first moment in which a living creature made a conscious decision to choose what Michael described as right from right from wrong right from wrong i told you about my r speech impediment good from evil or perhaps a form of altruism over predatory instinct that is a big deal in the movie i know people may laugh at the dinosaur scene first of all the dinosaur scene it's like two minutes long so chill out people it's not that funny but it also does say a big part in the movie you see you know this dinosaur injured on the ground and you see another dinosaur run up and like stomp its foot on the other the injured dinosaur and you think it's going to kill him and eat it but it doesn't it lets go and then runs off you know hmm maybe malik is kind of trying to say that oh man i got to get really deep here creation you know was birthed on goodness, you know, in a weird way. Goodness that is masked at first as, you know, wrong at first, because it's like, well, that's an injured dinosaur. Why would you want to go and eat it? But now, you know, kill it. But, you know, it's like, at first it feels that way, but then there really is good in everybody and everything. And the dinosaur leaves the other dinosaur alone. Wow, I hope that makes sense. That kind of just came to me now. The dinosaur sequence, I forgot about that a lot. Producer Emmanuel Lubetsky explained Malik's approach to film by saying, photography is not used to illustrate dialogue or a performance, but instead is used to capture emotions so that the movie is very experiential. Experiential, that is the big word for any Terrence Malick film. So the film, with Lubetsky's own words, is, quote, meant to trigger tons of memories, like a scent or a perfume. Yeah, nostalgia. Nostalgia especially is a big part of this film but in a weird way in all Terrence Malick films you really do feel like you can smell what you're seeing on screen you know you can feel it in a weird way that is how effectively done this cinematography is Lubetsky and Malick also this is crazy and I won't go through all of these but they laid down parameters to be used throughout the film uh with you know the camera for example no zooming was allowed uh avoid avoidance of lens flare shooting in available natural light avoiding white and primary colors in frame and shooting in backlight for continuity and depth and there's a whole list more for this film in addition over um, well this yeah this kind of makes it similar over a million feet of film were shot and printed with an average of 14,000 feet per day over 72 shooting days damn it's like Mad Max Fury Road, which I just reviewed, you know? Yeah, there is an extended version of, of this film and The New World, the other film. The New World, I loved. It, it wasn't as well-received as The Tree of Life, but um, and I think The Tree of Life is better, but check that out. Heath Ledger was supposed to play the lead of um, Mr. O'Brien, but Brad, but Brad Pitt took it over. This is something that is a little... Um, 
enigmatic for me. Jack O'Brien, the character, his initials are J-O-B, Job. In the Bible, Job was a man tested by Satan after his wager that Job only serves God because of his blessing. After losing his wealth, family, and health, Job would rather curse himself than God. So I think the parallel is how, you know, little little job, little Jack in the film ends up going against nature by becoming rebellious and, you know, because he gets so pissed off at his dad. I guess the parallel is, you know, he is, he is rejecting nature and accepting bad stuff. I was going to say Satan, but you know, Satan represents bad stuff, you know, evil in a way. I don't know if Jack O'Brien is evil in this film. He's a kid. We all were kids once and we all were rebellious, but you know, I gotta think about that one. I also don't know the Bible. Sorry. The best moment. I have two. The universe sequence. Google it. YouTube it right now. Watch it. You will cry your eyes out. At least I hope you will. And the last sequence, the sequence where Jack is reunited with everyone from his past on the beach. The music, the sound effects of the waves and the imagery. I, I, I might actually watch this movie, like, right when I'm done recording this. Mais est-ce que je suis d'accord avec les critiques de ce film? Now, I've mentioned a little bit how critics are sometimes very hit or miss with a lot of Terrence Malick movies. Some of his movies are beloved. Some of them are very hit or miss. I'm talking like 50 to 55% on the Rotten Tomato scale uh, hit or miss. Now, The Tree of Life does have a higher score than that, and it, it did overall get a lot of fantastic reviews. It got three-star reviews, and then it also got four-star reviews. Bob Mondello from NPR said, The Tree of Life is astonishing in some spots, almost incoherent in others. Yes, it is. And if it doesn't frustrate you, at least some of the time dot, 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 you're not paying attention. So I like that a lot. I really agree with that. Regardless of what you think of this movie, it has a strong effect on you. Bill Gutekunst from Arizona Republic called the movie beautiful, baffling, poetic, pretentious. It's one big ball of moviedom. Yeah, sums it up. Ian Nathan from Empire Magazine said, there is simply nothing like it out there. Profound, idiosyncratic, complex, sincere, and magical. A confirmation that cinema can aspire to art. Adam Neyman from The Ringer said, Malik's earnest pretentiousness. <laughs> yeah, pretentious. I did find that word a lot in these reviews. Surely invites derisive laughter, but it also withstands it. And like the ancient evergreen of its title, it towers benevolently over less ambitious movies. Look, I understand completely that you may find Terrence Malick movies to be pretentiously done because they just a lot of the times are, don't make a lot of sense and it's all about style over substance. Again, like I said, though, they impact you. They do. You can't deny that. You can hate a movie and if you are tied to a chair and you're forced to watch a Terrence Malick movie, it will stick with you. Last review I really like, Deborah Ross from The Spectator said, Ideally, you would bathe in a film like this without striving to decipher it. As it's a film about what we can't get our heads around, we are probably not meant to get our heads around it. But, even so, it is so audacious it will take your breath away. Is it really one of the best movies of all time? Yes, 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 yes. See, see, wee, wee, ya, ya, yes. I, I, um... 
I have no more, no more words to say. Truly, I don't. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. Um, you know, give any Terrence Malick movie a chance. Well, preferably, yes, there are some that are a lot better than others. But um, The Tree of Life, though, <sighs> man, it's just, it transports you. It, it makes you think about your family. It makes you think about love. It makes you think about the world and existence and and it makes you want to at least it makes me want to write poetry <laughs> and it also makes me really want to go to texas and get really cool shots and put them on instagram and use xx pro and valencia because they're really cool yeah gorgeous see this movie see it on that note i'm gonna leave and i'm gonna end it by saying please guys get your ass off the couch and go to the goddamn movies okay just do it i don't care if you're tired and you had a busy day at work go to the movies and get some soda get some sugar in you that will wake you up okay if you think it's too, if you think the food there is too expensive sneak it in i know you're not supposed to do that okay but do that first and then go back and then just pay a little bit of money, okay? Theaters need need you right now, all right? COVID is still here, and there are still people that refuse to go to the movies. I can understand if you're scared of that, kind of, but if you're just being a lazy ass, I don't accept that. So go to the movies. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Oh, you made it. You made it. You made it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at I'm Reviewing Here. You can also subscribe on YouTube. New episodes drop there the same day they drop on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Please leave a review if you'd like. Be mean. Be nice. Hit on me. I don't really care. Candor really, really is important to me. And, you know, it helps the podcast too. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you especially by Nervous Chuckles. That is my fake production company because I make people nervously chuckle all the time because they never know if I'm telling a joke or not. So they're always like, <laughs> oh, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Is he serious? Is he insane? Did he get out of the, the loony? What's going on? So if I made you nervously chuckle, then that means that I did my job. And thank you. There is uh, no funding for this podcast, but if you want to give me money, then uh, yeah, like hit me up. DM me. Bye-bye.